Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Dress, the history of fashion, is a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast that explores the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary and April Callahan. So welcome to an, our next edition of Fashion History Mystery, listeners. And I just want to say that today's episode has actually been on my list of topics to cover for the last three seasons. And somehow or another, each and every year, kind of like it slips my mind that this date is approaching. So I'd like to thank our listener, Lauren, of the Millinery.info podcast. Um, so check out her show, too, for reminding us that next week is a very special occasion for the French fashion industry, as it will be St. Catherine's Day. And listeners, if you are unfamiliar with the celebration of St. Catherine's Day in France, you are not alone. I had never heard of this day. April, when you brought me this episode um, idea, I was not terribly familiar with how this celebration has historically been such a huge occasion for the French fashion industry. It's really fascinating and fabulous, especially for the Midinettes, the tens of thousands of seamstresses, of the hands, the workers, you know, who are the backbone of the world of Paris couture and still are, arguably. Yes, absolutely. And um, before we get to the Midinettes, just a tiny bit of background on St. Catherine of Alexandria herself, because as this proverbial story goes, she was an early Christian martyr living in Egypt during the 4th century BCE, and she was possibly of noble birth. There's a lot of kind of like unknowns about her because it was, of course, so, so long ago. But she practiced her Christian faith in spite of the fact that under the Roman emperor Maxentius, who was ruling Egypt at the time, he was really persecuting Christians who were under the Roman Empire at that time or in Egypt. She was apparently quite persuasive in her beliefs. She publicly argued against scholars of this day, and it said she even converted the emperor's own wife to Christianity. And he was having none of this because in an effort to silence her, he first offered to make Catherine his mistress, of course, as one does. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he offered her this life in this lap of luxury to kind of try and silence her. And she declined, citing the fact that she considered herself wedded to Christ and vowed to remain a virgin for her entire life. And in response, he imprisoned and tortured her. And legend has it that when she was taken to a torture wheel, when she touched it, the wheel or rack miraculously broke. So spared but briefly, she was actually this is incredibly sad, later beheaded after refusing to denounce her faith. I mean, this is kind of a story we hear a lot about Christian martyrs um, historically. Yeah, especially in that really early period. Um, So exactly when she was canonized as a saint isn't exactly clear. But what we do know is that her popularity as a saint really grew and grew and grew during the Middle Ages. And among other things, I think this is really interesting. Among other things, she is the patroness of archivists, librarians, knife sharpeners, teachers, and most directly to our point today, 
unmarried women and maidens. And perhaps this shared point of maidenhood and devotion to Christ is why during the 15th century, Joan of Arc claimed that St. Catherine was one of her divine advisors. And as some of us probably know, Joan of Arc claimed to hear voices in her head, and one of them being St. Catherine. Fast forward another 500 years, and this connection between young women, marital status, and St. Catherine was alive and well in the early 20th century. Different Catholic countries celebrate the Feast of St. Catherine in a variety of ways on November 25th, but her ties to fashion reveal themselves best in France is celebrated by the Mignonettes. Yes, and this scene in Paris on November 25th, 1913, was described by an unidentified Vogue writer. And this is, I'm going to read it to you, or part of it. It's a little bit of a long passage, so just, just bear with me for one second. But uh, the writer writes, As I came out of the little English tea room in the Place Vendôme the other day, I heard snatches of French songs, and turning onto the Rue de la Paix, I found the street quite blocked with Frenchmen who were in a most amiable mood. When I saw them cheering hundreds of mininettes who lined the open windows of all the famous dressmaking establishments in that street, I realized that it was St. Catherine's Day. St. Catherine is the patron saint of every jeune fille or young woman in France, and her day is observed with much merriment in all classes of society. Orange blossoms make their first appearance and are sold by every flower vendor in the street, and every young girl wears a sprig of these lovely blossoms. This day is made much of by the little needlewoman in the great dressmaking establishments, for all work ceases at noon, and the rest of the day may be devoted to merrymaking. Those who have attained the mature age of 25 are presented with caps, with much merriment, and much drinking of champagne furnished by the patron of the establishment while their comrades dance around them. Seen from the street below their windows, the midinettes make a very pretty picture behind the flower-filled boxes. From time to time, they appear with glasses of champagne in their outstretched hands as they lift them to their lips and the crowds below cheer madly. Wow, what a scene. I could, have, I could almost <laughs> envision it. I wonder if there's pictures of this anywhere. I'd love to see them. <laughs> oh, there sure is. You better bet that we're going to post them on our Instagram. <laughs> I mean, is it any surprise that this has been called the Mardi Gras fete of Paris? I mean, St. Catherine's Day was a joyous, if not downright raucous day of celebration, as you just described. While throngs of young women donned elements of fancy dress on St. Catherine's Day, the day was especially significant for unmarried women the year they turned 25. For this one, St. Catherine's Day only, they were declared Catherineettes or I mean, how do they say it in French? Catherine, Catherineettes, and given gifts. And then friends and colleagues made them elaborate and silly hats, which they proudly wore for the day. These hats often incorporated the colors green and yellow. And this color combination was thought to be symbolic of hope for and wisdom in marriage. How lovely. Yes. And speaking of photos, Cass, I was surprised to find photos of the Catherineettes even wearing these crazy, absurd hats um, to church because many of them went to Mass to pray to St. Catherine on this day for the swift delivery of a husband. Um, and because, you know, at the age of 25, this was kind of the point where it was considered at the time, if a woman did not marry soon, she just might end up becoming a spinster, you know, a spinster at the ripe old age of 26. 
<laughs> We've got to do a, a fashion history mystery on the term spinster because it's really fascinating and directly related to the needle arts, but another day. Yep, 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 for sure. Oh, oh, oh and just speaking of them going to church, uh, some sources that I read even had, um, and, and they were always slightly different, but they had certain prayers which the Catherineettes might recite on St. Catherine's Day on their 25th year. So it's kind of touching, and it's like a little bit bittersweet, and it's a little strange, but what it, <laughs> it definitely is, is freaking fabulous. <laughs> and the pursuit of a husband was perhaps how the kissing customs of St. Catherine's mm-hmm. Day began. Again, mm-hmm. uh, these kissing customs are kind of fascinating. I mean, honestly. And what would normally be an unthinkable gesture, especially at this time in history, Catherine at celebrating were allowed to approach any man they wished and give him a kiss. April, I found this one amazing photograph of all the Midinettes swarming their boss, Christian Dior, each clamoring to give him a kiss on the cheek. So really sweet and touching. Yeah. For sure. And also in an article entitled The Catherinette's Revenge, which was published in Town and Country in 1947, the author recalled, quote, this free-for-all kissing game was particularly popular in the happy gay 20s when I worked in Paris as a musician. It was pleasant to be kissed by a pretty 25-year-old girl, but aside from that, St. Catherine's Day was a big commercial event for us musicians. Every fashion house in town hired three to five man orchestra for this very occasion. In fact, St. Catherine's Day was one of the few fets of the year when every musician in town found himself employed. He goes on to recall one particular St. Catherine's Day when he was hired to play at the house of Patou for, quote, 100 francs and all you want to eat and drink between 4 p.m. and midnight, end quote. His bandmate, however, ended up being pranked by the Patu seamstresses after they became annoyed because he hit on too many of them. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) these celebrations sounded a bit wild, honestly. The couture houses threw these elaborate parties with enormous spreads of food. There was dancing. There was costumes. And of course, it's France, so the champagne flowed freely. It was really a day for their female workers, especially the seamstresses who earned low but livable wages, to really let loose and be carefree and have some fun. It's a very, like, um, collegial celebratory day, really. And Women's Wear Daily noted in the 1920s that these parties often also included beauty and costume contests. And there are just, again, so many fantastic historic photos of young women in the streets of Paris running around in these crazy get-ups, just having a blast on this special holiday. And it really became, eventually, the holiday became synonymous with the Midinettes in particular. And in 1921, the Municipal Council of Paris proposed making St. Catherine's Day a public holiday, and the Midinettes, quote, strenuously opposed. So, it being such a special day to them, why so, you might ask? Ah, yes. Well, it seems that the tradition had become so bound up in the fashion industry specifically that, quote, the girls want to continue to enjoy the day in their own way, in their own workshops, end quote. I mean, it was something really special, right? They wanted to keep it close. What I took from this is that they're really trying also to protect the integrity of this celebration. You know, they didn't want it to be co-opted by the government in any way. It was something of their very own, very special. For sure. And also a tradition that carried well into the 1960s because I found um, an article in Women's Wear Daily from November of 1964 that noted, quote, 
There was no better rumpus going on anywhere. How fabulous is that word? I should use it more. Um, but there is no better rumpus going on anywhere than the one created by the 75 seamstresses at the house of Antonio del Castillo on the Rue du Faubourg Saint-Honoré. Festivities began at noon when the two Catherinettes were received by the gray-haired designer. The article then goes on to describe how each of the departments of the Couture House had decorated their area with certain themes, and everyone was dressed in fancy dress to match. They were all dressed in costumes, and apparently the dancing lasted until late evening. And April, this is a tradition that carries on to this very day. Mm-hmm. When LVMH CEO Yves Carcel died a few years back, fashion designer Christian Lacroix remarked to the press that one of his favorite memories of Carcel was that he personally organized the St. Catherine's Day party each year, and he was well known to celebrate by himself dancing on the tables with his LVMH <laughs> staff. <laughs> he also noted in the article, too, that he remembered everybody's names, which is like oh, pretty incredible because it's an enormous company. And so, uh, you know, I also just to get a little, go a little further with this, I reached out to our friend and also past dressed guest, Nadia Albertini, who is, of course, if you've listened to her episodes, um, she has a two-part episode on the art of embroidery. She's an haute couture embroiderer, and she's worked in the industry for many years. And a historian. Yes, absolutely. And she said that she was actually working at Chanel, when she was 25, and very much indeed, her colleagues made her this crazy green and yellow, like Chanel hat, one of a kind type creation. And she also said that um, now you also usually get a little bit of money from your boss on this occasion. And what was really fascinating is that she said that 25 year old gentlemen working in the industry are also now included, um, not as Catherine's, but as Nicolas's. She also said that because the fashion trades are so integral to the economy of France, also that the mayor of Paris throws a huge party for the fashion industry on St. Catherine's Day. And while this charming tradition is mainly practiced in France today, a bit of St. Catherine's celebrations do take place in the United States. No surprise giving its French heritage and history. And of course, where else do these happen but in New Orleans? Each year on November 25th, New Orleans holds a St. Catherine's Day hat parade, and this hat parade is open to women and girls of all ages. Men and boys are, of course, allowed to tag along, but this special day has been historically a celebration of the feminine. And we, of course, have an entire year to go, so I would like to propose that we all celebrate together next year on St. Catherine's (laughs) Day 2021, even if it's only on Zoom. So start planning your hats now, yellow and green if you like. But sometimes I read some um, references that sometimes they were done in silver as well. So you can make whatever hat you like. And also too, why not incorporate the joy of a special hat into your ensemble now, next time you get dressed? Because have fun with fashion, especially in this moment. I think that does it for us this week, Cass, yes? Absolutely. All right, please tune in on Tuesday for our full length episode. And of course, in the meantime, if you want to write to us, we love hearing from you. So please email us with your own fashion history mystery query to dressed at iheartmedia.com. You can also DM us on Instagram where we post images to accompany each week's episode. And that is at dressed underscore podcast. Thank you as always to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio that makes this show possible each week.
Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.